So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello again. How lovely to see you and welcome to 2023. I hope you had an amazing festive break and they had a wonderful celebration of food, wine and seeing all your friends and loved ones over the holiday. We were away visiting my wife's family in South Africa and had a great trip. So much so that it's taken a little while to warm back up to the swing of things in the cold, dark UK mornings. Added to this, my social media timeline seems to be full of ripped, beardy blokes sitting in ice baths and wheelie bins in their garden, smashing the ice and then trying to convince me of their endorphin releases. I've also seen loads of toxic positivity telling me how to get up at five o'clock, write a gratitude journal and it's going to change my life. Well thanks, I have toyed with a few cold showers over the last few months and would love to learn a little bit more about cold exposure but at this moment my morning protocol is a frosty dog walk and then a quick warm shower before I take my daughter to school. I do think we've got to be careful of who we compare ourselves to because many of these fitness influencers do it full time. They're either fitness instructors, Pilates or spin class instructors. They're in their 20s and 30s and they look like they've been carved out of granite. Good luck to them. But if you're a middle-aged person who spent the last six months eating and preparing for the winter hibernation, it's going to be a big shift to make if you try and change your life completely as soon as the clock strikes midnight on the 1st of January. I shared a post on LinkedIn a week or so ago, which created a good debate, just saying that it's better to be realistic about our goals for the year ahead than get overhyped by a lycra-clad influencer swilling probiotics and trying to sell you their golden elixir. Let's be honest, if you've been living your life in the fast lane for the last two months of the year, eating swilling booze as an insta-addicted socialite, partying as if we're going to go into a 10-year lockdown, it's highly unlikely that you're going to completely shift to become an antisocial, sober, vegan crypto billionaire who's achieved a digital detox in just a few weeks. Maybe I'm being a bit negative and you can prove me wrong, but uh, you know, if you do, give me a shout and uh, we'll get you on the show and I'll do one of those coffee enemas to celebrate your wonderful transformation. I prefer to set my sights on a few meaningful changes to my well-being, family life and work and then create some simple habits which are a bit more sustainable. I don't expect to be perfect, but 
I'm clear on the behaviors and the actions that I want to see. And I'm going to try and make it harder to slip into those easy temptations. And hopefully I'll have more good days than bad. And in about six weeks time, probably I'll start to see some of the signs of improvement. But one thing's for sure, patience beats early January passion every time. To do this, I can't expect immediate results. That's where we go wrong. I always think back to my time at the IPL in India where some of the youngsters were thrown into the TV spotlight and wanted to look at their most glamorous best. In the downtime between games, we had access to the hotel gym and one day I saw one of the lads doing sit-ups up against the mirrored wall in the gym. And after about every fifth sit-up, he'd stand up, lift up his shirt over the side and check for a six-pack. Sadly, it didn't emerge and he went back to his room with his dream shattered. So if anyone else is feeling like they're lacking that drive to get going in 2023, let's take a few cues from some of the legends in the Sporting Edge members platform to see if they can provide a spark. Many of the world's leading companies are using our content for inspiration and innovative strategic ideas to help them to have a better 2023. So let's see if we can pick a few to help us on this slow, sustainable wins for 2023. Actually, before we dive in, I was just wanted to say I was thrilled to see the number of listeners that we had to the show over the holiday period. We actually went up in the charts when I wasn't recording new shows. So maybe I need to take the hint there. But the big highlight was getting a Christmas number one in the Apple charts in the Cayman Islands. We've had a couple of top five and top ten um, you know, placings around the world. But I'm just exploring whether we can do a world tour of the places we've been number one. So far, that's Sri Lanka, St. Lucia and the Cayman Islands. So there's a nice little itinerary building here where we only need to pack our speedos and a T-shirt. So we're just waiting for Hawaii to catch on and then we can get cracking in one of those floating planes. Thanks also for all the five star reviews which really help people to pick out the established and popular shows. And to Richard, your review was great to see and the feedback that everyone's saying your management and leadership skills have improved and you're putting that down to listening to the show. It's great to think that we're making a difference. If there's one thing we need more of at the moment, it's having a strong mindset to cope with this uncertainty and also our leadership and our management of our teams, helping them to navigate the change and the pressure that's coming up. So that's brilliant news that you're taking inspiration from the show. I'd love to get some of your questions through for future episodes. So please do send me any questions that you've got or problems and puzzles that you've got within your organisations through to hello at sportingedge.com and I'll be able to use some of our expert insights to provide some of the answers for future shows. So we've spoken about how hard it is to crank the engines up to full speed after the new year and that's very normal. So I think we've got to go easy on ourselves and don't you know, bother so much what your mates and neighbours are doing. We've got to run our own race. Just like companies that have different financial year ends, what's stopping you from getting going in late January or mid-February or early March? It's The timing isn't relevant. I think it's just about getting started when it's right for you and then creating some of that forward momentum rather than worrying about the actual day you start on. So let's listen to some of the wisdom from a few of the top performers and see if we can use those strategies to help our success this year. The first insight is from the former South African cricket captain, Graham Smith. I used to work with the South African cricket team alongside Graham and haven't seen the big man for several years, but I got a chance to catch up with him on our recent trip to South Africa. He invited me over to his house for a barbecue or a braai with his family 
and I was struggling to find the house until I saw this huge plume of smoke coming across the neighbourhood and I tracked it down to the back of a fence and that's exactly where he was. Graham's South Africa's most successful cricket captain of all time and this started with a dream as a youngster. With a blank piece of paper and some coloured pens he sketched out his dream job and stuck it on the fridge. And just over a decade later his dream came true. As I've said before, I was involved in that, that academy and was taught about goal setting. Um, but I guess writing on those goals is something that came from me. Um, and I had on that fridge that uh, you know, I wanted to captain South Africa and amongst various other things. You know, and that was my long-term goal as an 11-year-old. I, mean, I never ever dreamt that I'd get it 11 years later. Um, but I set those goals for myself and I, and I worked towards them. And, uh, I really believe from the age of 16, I, there wasn't a part of me that didn't believe that I was going to become what I'd, I dreamt I'd become or I'd visualised or I'd set a goal. That was kind of, you know, in my mind when I was playing school sport, this is, this is the path that I was going on, you know, and uh, there wasn't ever a doubt about that. I find that story truly remarkable, but the champions I've interviewed seem to have this ability to visualise what they want in high definition. They can imagine what it feels like to walk out as captain onto the Newlands Stadium or to lose five kilos or to arrive in their dream holiday or become the CEO of their dream business. They use all their senses and it becomes a very visceral experience. And it's this depth of desire for the future state that helps them to fixate on the steps that are going to make it happen. Imagine Graham walking past this picture of his dream goal and dream job on the fridge every day. I can imagine the positive nudges that it gave him to practice, to get fit, to learn from his coaches every day for 10 years. And these subliminal clues all added up, they had a compound effect and that over time that transformed his life. So before you go and stick a picture of a private jet on the fridge, we need to be realistic. There's no point me putting a picture of myself with a beautiful blonde centre parting, those days are long gone. So we need to pick something that's inspirational for sure, but also attainable. And once we have that dream, the feeling and sensation of what that desired end game will feel like, we then need to create an action plan. And the best description of this comes from Sir Dave Brailsford, who's masterminded decades of cycling success in the velodrome and across the mountain roads of the Tour de France. I asked him how his gold medal athletes translate their dreams of being the Olympic champion into the tangible action plans it takes to make them a reality. You've got to differentiate between two things. I think we, we like to have outcome-driven strategies, so we always want an outcome. But I think you've got to be very careful in terms of um, uh, really clearly understanding what's a dream, what we'd like to happen, and what's a target. Um, let's say Chris Hoy, he wants to win a gold medal, and that's his dream. However, whether that happens or not isn't really in his control. You've got all the other athletes in the world, you've got a lot of other variables which he can't influence right up until the moment he gets there. But what he can do, he, he can manage everything about himself. So what we, we accept, we all accept we have a dream, that's what we want to happen, but actually we then, ident then identify targets. We can guess pretty much or figure out rather than guess um, you know what's it going to take to be on the podium we can translate that into uh, a weight in the gym 
power that he develops in, in his sprint training, um, tactical awareness, you know, all of those different things you can create targets around. And so we, went, we then work to those targets. Now that'll only give you a performance and it could, you know, fulfill the dream. We think it would fulfill the dream. But if we just set out thinking, right, the goal is winning, then you're in big trouble. From a psychological point of view, you're in big, big trouble. And I think that's, you know, you see it quite a lot in younger athletes where they think, right, my goal is to win. Well, all you can do then is, is pretty much stress yourself out because winning isn't necessarily within your, within your control. So we find actually recognising, yeah, we want to win, of course we do, but actually we're going to control our world here. We're going to work to these targets. Then everybody settles down. They stop, you know, they don't agitate as much and they can really get on with the job and the processes of what it's going to take to achieve these things. And if you tick them off, I'm now in the best shape possible to go and try and achieve my goal and I'm actually going to be feeling good about it. I've left no stone unturned. I feel my belief systems are great. My confidence high. I know what to do. I couldn't be more prepared. I'm in the best possible position to try and achieve my dream. And then what happens, happens. So that's amazing clarity. And I love how once that dream goal has been set, it's then all about defining that process and the steps it's going to take to make it happen. In his best-selling book, Atomic Habit, James Clear says that your performance doesn't levitate up to the level of your dreams and aspirations. It drops down to the level of your systems and habits. This is because despite our ability to visualise winning, it's not going to happen if we're just lying on the sofa eating donuts. So we need to create a system which gives us the discipline and routine when our motivation starts to wane. I imagine this as a pyramid with your long-term dream at the top and then the wider base at the bottom being full, filled with the daily activities that we need to execute. So for a student, for example, that dreams of getting to their country's best university, they need a performance goal which sits under the apex of their dream, and that's probably a set of grades or, or marks in their exams. And then we can break that down further into their subject in the next level down of the pyramid. So that might be biology, geography and maths. And then we can break those levels down a further level to, to the lower level, which is about geography being broken down into human and physical. And then physical geography breaks down again to weather, rivers, volcanoes and whatever else is on the curriculum. So now what we've got at the bottom of the pyramid is those building blocks of the, of, of the curriculum, all the different subjects. And that's where the student needs to be able to score themselves against it and build a revision plan and make sure that they're up to date with all of those topics across the curriculum in all three subjects and that's where the confidence comes from that they've done the work they've done the revision they've put the effort in and that's when we feel prepared just like an athlete about to you know cross the white line they feel confident that they've done all the work they could and then they need to trust themselves and, and let their skills come through in the exam or in the match so our motivation will go up and down every day so we can't rely on that but our commitment is what's really important. So we need this system and this revision timetable or this nutrition plan or this uh, you know, networking plan to make sure that we can commit to doing the right things time after time. In one of my more recent episodes, we heard from the legendary All Blacks captain, Kieran Reid, and this crucial factor of discipline can often be overlooked, but it's what the best individuals and teams do under pressure. Yeah, I think to get consistency and, and those great players that you see around the world and in different sports, 
um, they've got great discipline, they've got great focus, um, and they, they've got an ability to, to turn up every week and, and perform. And you can say, oh, it's talent or they can just do it, but it's because of their discipline to do those little habits that they have in their routine and their preparation, they do it every week. Um, and so that, you know, for me as an athlete, I pride myself on being able to perform no matter what situation and be able to do that week in, week out. And it is, it's a case of um, genuinely and you know, in the, probably in the tougher moments or the bigger moments of things, you simplify. Um, you don't go for the big play, you go for um, the really simple stuff that you need to do well, those big rocks of your game. You know, for me on the field, it was getting off the line and, and hitting people or, you know, being really square in my attack and catching and passing and things like that. And that's all I had to worry about. Um, and then special things will flow off that. And then someone might make a big play or you might make a big play, but it's all come about because of that real discipline to just be focused on your role and, and just doing it really well. So, yeah, I think the key there is, you know, simplifying, don't go searching for things. Um, and those great players just they do it over and over and again because there's a mental capacity to to push themselves not to you know oh, I'll take it easy this week or you know I'll skip that that thing there in my prep because oh it's an easy game no hey it's in there I've got to do it I'll go and I'll always nail it so this is one of the world's most iconic teams talking about doing brilliant basics and not going in search of magic moves when they're under pressure. And importantly, celebrating the mental strength and the discipline it takes because they know that if they control the basics for longer, then they're going to control the game and ultimately win. So what are those brilliant basics for you? Is it preparing your healthy meals for the week to ensure you stay on track with your weight loss? Is it working with a financial advisor and saving via direct debit to ensure you can build security over the long term? Is it networking, pitching, nurturing relationships to boost your sales pipeline for the year? All of these things have a dream goal at one end, which creates the excitement and the motivation, but we can't control that outcome. So then we have to focus on the discipline and the repetition to slowly close the gap from where we are today and where we want to get to in the future. I'd love to help you further with this. And one of the things I promise to offer is the chance to join a free Q&A session with me at the end of January. So on the 23rd of January at 1pm UK time, I'll be sharing some of our best content and answering your questions to give you some amazing strategies to attack your goals in 2023. So please pause the episode here, go to the show notes, click on the link for the winning mindset for 2023 session and I'll see you there. I can't wait to meet you. So what else can we rustle up from our digital library to help you to nudge forward? Well, this next insight is from one of the world's leading neuroscientists and reinforces this idea of slow, sustainable wins. Tara Swart is a medical doctor, lecturer at MIT, and the author of the book, The Source. Tara now explains her approach to encouraging and maintaining behavior change with her clients. One of the things about understanding how the brain works physiologically rather than just psychologically is that we can really start to put things into place that help people to change behaviour and keep it changed. So what I say as a neuroscientist is that I'm not asking you to do something that is really difficult for you, that's not a habit for you, that's going to be hard work for you every day. I'm trying to get you to the place where that's who you are now. And the way we achieve that is through self-awareness, as any coach would, would aim to do, 
and then focused attention on the desired behaviour or the behaviour that you want to stop doing. So I say to people, in the next month, just notice every time you did, did that you know, behaviour or there was an opportunity for you to do something differently and just report back to me. And then the following month, we would do what we call deliberate practice. So you would actually seek out opportunities to behave in this new and different way. And it's a little bit like how long is a piece of string, because it depends what you're trying to do. But over a certain period of time, the brain would start to form a stronger and stronger pathway around that behaviour, and eventually it becomes the default, and it's an easy thing to do. All of that is lubricated by a therapeutic relationship. So the brain is the organ of relationships. We're not meant to live alone and do things by ourselves. So if you have a coach or a psychologist or a friend who's going to hold you accountable to changing that behaviour, that is going to make it easier for you to do that. And actually, I'm a big proponent of using technology to do that. So these wristbands that measure your steps or your sleep or apps that you can put in what you've eaten or what your mood is, they can all help you to, to you know, really embed that, that behaviour change sustainably. I really like that point about awareness being, you know, the starting point, really. So for somebody who's got a, an addictive behaviour, and there might be a few triggers that sit around it. So, for example, you might smoke after having your meal. And when you notice the timing is consistent and that habit and the trigger are linked together, then you might want to swap out the habit for something more useful. So the increased awareness of that timing tells you that actually, if I finish my meal and then I swap the cigarette for a phone call with some great mates, I need to get 10 mates in a row lined up or at least think about who I'm going to call. So immediately after I've finished my meal, I'm going to phone somebody, have a laugh for 10 or 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And it just starts to break that cycle. And then, of course, it's down to, you know, our, our discipline to be able to maintain that. Tara's point about working in partnerships or in groups is also really important. It's so hard to change any ingrained behaviour in isolation because we find excuses and we erode our best intentions. We can all hear that voice that's debating, you know, we've said we're gonna to go to the gym in the morning, but it's really dark and my duvet's so warm. We've all been there where the duvet's won. And that's when we're on our own and we then got the guilt and the shame and we feel weak that we couldn't, you know, commit to our plan. So we've gotta be careful we don't pull on those irrational beliefs and start to spiral down with silly things like, oh, bad things happen in threes. So then we eat a cream cake and a waffle just to prove ourselves right that the day is a complete write-off. So that's when we judge ourselves by our you know, own plans that are in our mind. But when we uh, arrange to go to the gym with some of our friends, imagine if three of our mates are there, then they won't judge us by our intentions. They'll judge us by our actions and whether we you know, turn up or not. So that risk of public humiliation and judgment pulls us in uh, and gets us out of the door like a tractor beam. So this is where, you know, the social support and the challenge of those groups being part of a community that are already exhibiting the healthy eating or the, you know, the exercise or whatever it is that you're trying to develop this year, get into those communities and that will provide the support rather than just relying on your own best intentions. So behaviour change and healthy living, they're really a team game. So choose your team wisely uh, and then you can help to keep each other accountable as you go through the next few weeks. I think some of the social media platforms can teach us a bit about habit change and, and you know addictive behaviours as well. I think it's Snapchat that have got this concept of streaks where it measures how many days in a row have you sent messages backwards and forwards for, to this particular 
you know, friend. And I know it can go on for months, if not years in some cases, and it's the main thing that people wake up and try and maintain their streaks without dropping a day. But it's the same for us with our disciplines around our well-being or our choices. How many days can we go? How many days can we build it together? These small incremental choices and changes, that's really going to be the key because it's the compound effect of those that's going to make a massive difference. And I think very often for weight loss, for example, we have two days healthy eating, look at the scales like the uh, player in the gym looking at the six pack. We look at the, the scales and they haven't changed and then we give up. But I think it's this patience and the belief and the trust in the system and in the habits that if we are doing the right things day after day after day, it may take 15 days, 20 days, 30 days to do it, but focus much more on the consistency and the streaks that you can link together rather than what the numbers are right in front of you, because that's the lag data from what's gone on over the last few months. So I think a lot of these choices that we're going to make over the next few weeks, I, I tend to think of things either spiralling up Every choice we make helps us to move up towards our goal or they spiral down, you know, down towards weaker choices, um, you know, and, and making the wrong decisions. But we're all human. So we're going to do that at times. So I think if we are spiraling up and then we have a bad day where we make some poor choices or we do the wrong things, then we can't berate ourselves too much. Maybe that's the spiral just in pause mode. And then the key is to try and get back onto that again and push it back up with another good day following up rather than two or three bad days together and feeling like it's not even worth trying. So we're always in control of those choices, our mindset, our behaviours, all of those things. So let's try and work together to keep that spiral going up. And I think, after all, there was an enticing reason why we wanted the spiral to move up in the first place. And that, that doesn't change after one bad day. So I really hope it's, um, it's going to work for you. So that's all we've got time for today. Uh, there's so much content out there of the high octane nature. So um, use that for inspiration, but don't beat yourself up that you can't match those people within a week or two. And I have to say, I'm sure some of those motivational blaggers would give anything to live the life that you lead. So let's keep things in perspective as well. I hope you have a great start to this new year and that you achieve everything that you want to from a well-being, family and professional perspective. Remember to join me for that live Zoom call on the 23rd of January. There's a link in the show notes and you never know, I might even be presenting from an ice bath. If you need any keynotes, webinars or digital content for your business, then do drop me a note through to hello at sportingedge.com. And until next time, good luck with your goals and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.